Well, I thank you very, very much, Janet, for that very kind introduction, and thank you for the applause. Uh, I have been here, as Janet said, for 14 years, and uh, it, has been, it has been a gift of God, and I, I say that uh, with all my heart. It's, um, it's been interesting, you know, to function in a variety of contexts and uh, different institutions of various kinds over the years. And so when I, when I come to another one, uh, like Tyndall, I'm, I'm in a position to, to uh, reflect a little bit on, on what's happening. And for those of you who are students here, you are in uh, the institution which um, is, is run by the most effective uh, cabinet of administrators that I have seen. And I don't say that to flatter Janet or anyone else, but it's absolutely true. Uh, the orientation that they have and the commitment to God that they have and the work that they do is outstanding. The professors are breathtaking in both, in both uh, branches of the community. And, uh, and the students are phenomenal as well, by the way. It's, uh, it's just been a, a great pleasure to be here. Well, I, I have been told that uh, I, I tend to tell stories. And so I don't want to disappoint anyone. It's, it was a long time ago and in a faraway place. Winnipeg, actually. Uh, in, in the 1950s. And Ronnie was out playing with, with his friends. Uh, he lived in this community up in the northwest uh, part of Winnipeg, which welcomed immigrants from all over the world. Uh, it, was a, it was a kind of a tough community in a way. Um, we played outside a lot. You know, it's not like kids growing up now. Mom and Dad said, okay, don't get lost, but go away somewhere. And, um, and so we did. We went out and played. And on one particular uh, morning, we were playing in a half-built house. I don't know what happened to the person who were building, was building this house, but the, the, the walls were there, the frame was there, but the inside of the house hadn't been completed. There were just the studs showing where the rooms were. So we decided to play in the house. But you know what we're going to play? We were going to play war. And we were well-armed. We all had guns. Now, they were toy guns or wood guns. My brother used to make wooden guns, and they were very, very good, very good replicas. And so we all had guns. And not only that, but some of the people had equipment of soldiers. So there was one guy wearing a Canadian helmet, but one of the guys in the house was, was wearing a Nazi helmet that his father had bought back from the war. And so we decided to lay siege to the house. And so we attacked this house, and we were firing at it as, until our guns went, were hot. And, of course, you understand. And, 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 and they were firing back. And finally, one of the guys who was wearing the helmet got killed. Now, I don't know how he got killed or how he knew he got killed, but he decided he was killed. And, and he was, he was uh, shooting at us out of, a, out of a, the front window of the house. There was no glass in it, so he, there was a space. And you could see him. He slumped forward. He'd been hit. And then he leaned toward the windowsill. And then out he came. He just flipped over the windowsill. And he fell down onto the ground. And one of his feet fell into a pool of water. And he just lay there, dead. His name was Brian. I mean, he died magnificently. <laughs> and he didn't move his foot. Of course, you know, dead people can't move, so there he was with his boot filling with water. 
Yeah. Now, I mean, if any kids did that these days, I mean, the, the police would be called and, and the child welfare would take, take the kids off their parents' hands and so on and so on. So what was going on? Well, you see, we were, I don't know if we, I don't think we understood this, but we were living in, in, in really interesting times. The, the world, world War II had, had just taken place. And so, you know, some of our fathers and some of our uncles had fought and died in that war. And at the time when we were playing war, Canadians were at war in Korea. I used to deliver papers, and so I'd read the headlines. And I'd read about the battles. I'd read about the people who were dying over there. And it was, you know, this, this idea of war was a very strong and real one. We even had air raid sirens in Winnipeg. And they would let them go every now and then just to make sure they worked because they were afraid that the, that the communists were going to come sailing over the Arctic Ocean and come down on bombing, bombing trips to the United States and they were going to fly over Canada. And, and NORAD was, was up there to, to protect us. You see, we, we felt all these things. And somehow, as we, as we lived our lives, you know, th- there was this sense of, well, where is all of this going? And as we, then as we moved through the 50s into the 60s, we're in the Cold War era. Here's the, the Cuban crisis. Who's going who's to back off? Is it going to be Kennedy or Khrushchev? Or what's going to happen with these miss- missiles? Is this where we all die? I'm up in Saskatoon at the time in Bible college wondering if I'm ever going to see my parents, not to mention my beautiful girlfriend again. And, you know, it was just that way. There was the, the tension in the air. It was an interesting time. And that persisted throughout the 70s, 80s. And then it cooled. Around 1900, it kind of cooled off. The Berlin Wall had disappeared. The USSR had disappeared. Countries even talked about cutting their military spending and to put the money elsewhere. You know, when we thought, yeah, this is a good thing. So there was kind of a a, a relaxed feeling that lasted for about a decade. And then 2001 came. And I guess I'm saying all of this because we're back in very interesting times. If you are aware of other things than the things that you're studying, we are in very interesting times. We're in a time of institutionalized terrorism, missile rattling, Russia, the U.S., North Korea, uh, Facebook going nuts, uh, the 800 million users of Facebook wondering who's got their material now. Uh, people, are, are, uh, people are deciding that God isn't so important in their lives and, in fact, maybe they're God. Uh, there's a book by um, Yervil Noah Harari, Interesting title, Homo Deus, Humanity Becomes God. And in it, he's talking about the way that some people are thinking right now, that, that things, like, um, thing, things like death are just technical problems. And if we solve the technology, we're not going to have to die. And if we're not going to have to die, then we'll live forever. If we're going to live forever, it doesn't matter where we go after death because there ain't no death. People are thinking that. I don't know what got me going on this. I guess it's you know, this, this deep sense that things are changing. They are changing in, with increasing rapidity and with increasing depth. 
and the impression I have is that most of us are not even aware that it's happening. It's just blowing off around us and it's catching us up and here we are. So where is the church in all of this? Well, that's a good question. Where is the church in all of this? Because as you start reading reports of the status of the Christian church, you know it's growing in Africa and it's growing in China and it's growing in some of those other places, but it's not growing here and it's not growing in the United States and what's happening to the church. I would like just to pose a question for us to think of for a few minutes. How should we then live? We're in these interesting times. How should we then live? Now I'm going to Paul, Galatians chapter 2, just two verses, 19 and 20. Two ideas stand out. Paul is talking about himself and his spiritual condition. And he says in Galatians 2.19, I am crucified with Christ. We're in the middle of Holy Week, and we're moving toward the crucifixion of Christ. It's not a great image. It's a tough image, to put it very mildly. Paul says, I am crucified. I wonder where he got the idea. But as I reflected on that, it starts to sound a bit like Jesus himself. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus, really, did you mean that? Hard words. And as I try to tone it down, I interpret it by saying Jesus expects us to have a love for him that is so powerful that it trumps, wrong word, it overcomes, uh, it overcomes any love that we have for others or, or even for ourselves. Surrender. Jesus is king. We just sang the words. He is. Jesus is Lord. I'll never forget the first time I read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship. As I was working my way through it, I came across a sentence, and it struck me as odd immediately. Because what the sentence said was, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. And I immediately thought of a chorus that we sang, come and dine, the master calls us, come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table anytime. And so here's Bonhoeffer, and he's saying, when Jesus calls us, he calls us to truly surrender, to open our lives so that he has access to it, that he controls it. Powerful stuff. 
The other idea that comes out is almost harder to talk about. Paul is speaking, and he said, The life that I now live in the flesh, it is no longer I who live. It is Christ. Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. Again, back in John 14, Jesus had said once, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus in us. God indwelling us. Everything that is the marvel of God in each of us. I have a friend, Lyman Kalathungam. He's a philosopher and theologian. He's written a book called Quest, The Quest. And he's looking at a range of religions. He's one of these guys who can teach Buddhism to Buddhists and Hinduism to Hindus and and uh, Islam to Muslims and Christians to Christians. And what he points out is that for most of the major religions, it is the human person who is reaching toward God and questing toward God. But in Judaism and Christianity, it is God who is reaching toward human persons. The quest is on God's part, and God is reaching out for our lives. And the truly astonishing reality is that when we open our lives to God, God comes in to those lives. And God's presence in those lives begins to shape those lives. And so what we find is there are resources to meet the challenges that come before us. That we have a sense of the human being and the suffering of people and we can actually reach out and touch those lives. And also, we can get some indication, some impression of what God might want to do in us and through us. Because what God wants to do is take each of us as individual people with our own richness and use those for his glory. And he lives in us. As he lives in us, he moves us toward the fulfillment of his plans for each one of us. We are living in interesting times. And by the way, that's not a Chinese curse. Um, That comes from a British politician in 1936, but don't worry about it. We are living in interesting times. And what are going to be the implications for the church and for you and I as individual Christians as we face 
the challenges of the world that is so profoundly in flux and going in directions that cannot be predicted, cannot be imagined. How will we then live? The strength to meet that, the strength to live in interesting times, the strength to radiate the love of God comes as we open our lives and surrender to Him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for what you have done in our lives through Jesus Christ and with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for this institution. I thank you for the administration, the faculty, and the students. I thank you for how fully we see your love and your mercy right here. And I ask, Father, in the name of your Son, that you would help all of us to continually open our lives so that your will can be achieved within us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Would you please stand? And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.